As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello friends, I'm Rick Warren and welcome to Spurgeon's Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped and guided by Charles Spurgeon who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. How to Read the Bible, the Sermon by Charles Spurgeon, Part 2 Have ye not read? Have ye not read? If ye had known what this meaneth. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 12, Verses 3 to 7 Now if we are to understand what we read, or otherwise we read in vain, this shows us that when we come to the study of Holy Scripture, we should try to have our mind well awake to it. We are not always fit, it seems to me, to read the Bible. At times it would be well for us to stop before we open the volume. Put off thy shoe from thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. You have just come in from careful thought and anxiety about your worldly business and you cannot immediately take that book and enter into its heavenly mysteries. As you ask a blessing over your meat before you begin to eat, so it would be a good rule for you to ask a blessing on the word before you partake of its heavenly food. Pray the Lord to strengthen your eyes before you dare to look into the eternal light of Scripture. As the priests washed their feet before they went to their holy work, so it were well to wash the soul's eyes with which you look upon God's word, to wash even the fingers, if I may so speak, the mental fingers with which you will turn from page to page, that with a holy book you may deal after a holy fashion. Say to your soul, Come, soul, wake up. You are not about to read the newspaper. You are not perusing the pages of a human poet to be dazzled by his flashing poetry. You are coming very near to God, who sits in the word like a crowned monarch in his halls. Wake up, my glory. Wake up all that is within me. Though just now I may not be praising and glorifying God, I am about to consider that which should lead me so to do, and therefore it is an act of devotion. So be on the stir, my soul, be on the stir, 
and bow not sleepily before the awful throne of the Eternal. Scripture reading is our spiritual mealtime. Sound the gong and call in every faculty to the Lord's own table to feast upon the precious meat which is now to be partaken of. Or rather, ring the church bell as for worship, for the studying of the Holy Scripture ought to be as solemn a deed as when we lift the psalm upon the Sabbath day in the courts of the Lord's house. If these things be so, you will see at once, dear friends, that if you are to understand what you read, you will need to meditate upon it. Some passages of Scripture lie clear before us. Blessed shallows in which the lambs may wade. But there are deeps in which our mind might rather drown herself than swim with pleasure if she came there without caution. There are texts of Scripture which are made and constructed on purpose to make us think. By this means, among others, our Heavenly Father would educate us for heaven by making us think our way into divine mysteries. Hence, he puts the word in a somewhat involved form to compel us to meditate upon it before we reach the sweetness of it. He might, you know, have explained it to us so that we might catch the thought in a minute, but he does not please to do so in every case. Many of the veils which are cast over Scripture are not meant to hide the meaning from the diligent, but to compel the mind to be active. For oftentimes the diligence of the heart in seeking to know the divine mind does the heart more good than the knowledge itself. Meditation and careful thought exercise us and strengthen the soul for the reception of the yet more lofty truths. I have heard that the mothers in the Balearic Isles in the old times who wanted to bring their boys up to be good slingers, would put their dinners up above them, where they could not get at them until they threw a stone and fetched them down. Our Lord wishes us to be good slingers, and he puts up some precious truth in a lofty place where we cannot get it down except by slinging at it. And at last we hit the mark and find food for our souls. Then have we the double benefit of learning the art of meditation and partaking of the sweet truth which it has brought within our reach. We must meditate, brothers and sisters. These grapes will yield no wine till we tread upon them. These olives must be put under the wheel and pressed again and again that the oil may flow therefrom. In a dish of nuts, you may know which nut has been eaten because there is a little hole which the insect has punctured through the shell, just a little hole, and then inside there is the living thing eating up the kernel. Well, it is a grand thing to bore through the shell of the letter and then to live inside feeding upon the kernel. I would wish to be such a little worm as that, living within and upon the word of God, having bored my way through the shell 
and having reached the innermost mystery of the blessed gospel. The word of God is always most precious to the one who most lives upon it. As I sat last year under a wide-spreading beech, I was pleased to mark, with prying curiosity, the singular habits of that most wonderful of trees, which seems to have an intelligence about it which other trees have not. I wondered and admired the beech, but I thought to myself, I do not think half as much of this beech tree as yonder squirrel does. I see him leap from bough to bough, and I feel sure that he dearly values the old beech tree because he has his home somewhere inside it, in a hollow place. These branches are his shelter, and those beech nuts are his food. He lives upon the tree. It is his world, his playground, his granary, his home. Indeed, it is everything to him, and it is not so to me, for I find my rest and food elsewhere. With God's word, it is well for us to be like squirrels, living in it and living on it. Let us exercise our minds by leaping from bough to bough of it, find our rest and food in it, and make it our all in all. We shall be the people that get the profit out of it if we make it to be our food, our medicine, our treasury, our armory, our rest, our delight. May the Holy Spirit lead us to do this and make the word thus precious to our souls. Beloved, I would next remind you that for this end, we shall be compelled to pray. It is a grand thing to be driven to think. It is a grander thing to be driven to pray through having been made to think. Am I not addressing some of you who do not read the word of God? And am I not speaking to many more who do read it, but do not read it with the strong resolve that they will understand it? I know it must be so. Do you wish to begin to be true readers? Will you henceforth labour to understand? Then you must get to your knees, you must cry to God for direction. Who understands a book best? The author of it. If I want to ascertain the real meaning of a rather twisted sentence and the author lives near me and I can call upon him, I shall ring at his door and say, would you kindly tell me what you mean by that sentence? I have no doubt whatever that it is very clear, but I am such a simpleton that I cannot make it out. I have not the knowledge and grasp of the subject which you possess, and therefore your allusions and descriptions are beyond my range of knowledge. It is quite within your range and commonplace to you, but it is very difficult to me. Would you kindly explain your meaning to me? A good author would be glad to be treated this way, and would think it no trouble to unravel their meaning to a candid inquirer. Thus I should be sure to get the correct meaning, for I should be going to the fountainhead, 
when I consulted the author himself. So, beloved, the Holy Spirit is with us, and when we take his book and begin to read and want to know what it means, we must ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the meaning. He will not work a miracle, but he will elevate our minds, and he will suggest to us thoughts which will lead us on by their natural relation the one to the other, till at last we come to the pith and the marrow of his divine instruction. Seek then very earnestly the guidance of the Holy Spirit. For if the very soul of reading be the understanding of what we read, then we must in prayer call upon the Holy Spirit to unlock the secret mysteries of the inspired word. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.